0: everybody tired Tired. yes yes well I'm glad you're here my name is Kurt Lawson I serve as the do-good director here at the bridge and I'm excited that you're here now how about that Avril Lavigne song did y'all enjoy that yes so I had a crush on Avril Lavigne back in the day don't tell my wife it's complicated Um, but I'm glad to be here. I'm glad you're here. It truly is an honor um, and a privilege anytime I get a chance to speak. Um, I'm a little bit tired. I'm, I'm the, one of the ninth grade boys, uh, small group leaders, the Orange Tribe. Yeah, yeah. And so I'm a little bit tired. Um, I didn't spend the night with them last night because I came home and uh, I knew I had to preach. I, I didn't want to fall asleep on the stage, all right? Um, but can I have the students just stand up? If you were part of TakeOver Weekend, can you just stand up? Can we give these students a round of applause? We had this group of students, plus another group the same size that are at the Regal campus this morning, so over 200 students came. And I just wanna give a shout out to our student team. Our student team here at the bridge is the best student team around, they're amazing. So you guys, yeah, clap for them, that's good. I I truly mean that I get to work with them on a daily basis and they're just awesome people and so if you see them around tell them thank you for the way that they love your students and students I want to encourage you you're going to change the world okay you're going to change the world what happened this weekend will affect Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday okay let it let it change you all right um let me pray and then uh, we'll get started God I thank you for this morning Thank you for loving us. Thank you uh, that your word has a lot to say about relationships and how we're supposed to do relationships. God, I pray that today you would challenge us through your word, that you would uh, change us through your word. God, that we would look more like your son, Jesus. In his name I pray, amen. So, So relationships are complicated, okay? relationships are complicated how many times have you ever looked at somebody that you're in a relationship with whether that's a a, a spouse or um, somebody you're dating or, or a neighbor or a friend or coworker, or your kids how many times have you looked at them and 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 said something like this or or at least thought something like and i wish you were normal like me <laughs> you ever done that like i wish you were more normal like me now I hate to bring some bad news to some of you guys this morning uh, but i just need to be honest with you i don't i don't want you to leave and never come back but i gotta be honest with you you ready for it you're not normal okay you're not like my grandma used to say that everybody is somebody else's weirdo (laughs) she's a wise woman everybody is somebody else's weirdo you see you bring two people into a relationship, you, you you got different opinions, different views, different backgrounds, different cultures, different race, different socioeconomic status, whatever it might be. There's differences in all in, in, in all people and you bring them together in a relationship, it's going to be complicated. It's going to be complicated. My wife and I have been married for a little over 14 years, and uh, we dated for six or seven before that, so we've known each other for a really long time. I know I look really young, but I'm, I'm old, okay? And so uh, we've, we've known each other for a, a really long time, and, uh, and, and I would tell you that we have a great relationship. I don't know what she would tell you, but I would tell you that we have a great relationship, Okay. <laughs> And so uh, I sat down with her as I was preparing uh, for this, this message and I said, hey, what's the one difference between us that you think causes the most amount of friction in our relationship? What's the one difference that we, that we argue that causes the most arguments in our relationship? And we, we kind of both agreed that it was this. My wife is 100% uh, the type of person that she, she takes on the motto like, uh, why put off to tomorrow what you can get done today? We got any of those people in the room like, let's get it done now type people? Yeah. You're weird. I think you're weird. Okay? Because me, I'm more of the type like, why get it done today when I could get it done tomorrow, right? Why do today what we could put off to tomorrow? I'm going to get it done just when I want to get it done. Okay? Well, this causes some friction in our relationship. Early on in the marriage, my wife would leave me these uh, to-do lists on the counter, right? It's her passive-aggressive way of like, get this done. Okay, now she's a little more comfortable with me, and so she she just skips the passive part, she goes straight to aggressive. Like, straight up aggressive. Like, get this done, you gonna get this done? Did you call this person, did you do this? So me being the good Christian man that I am, I just quote the Bible to her. In Proverbs it says, it's better to live on the corner of the roof than in the house with the nagging wife says it you're welcome guys it says it in there so obviously we need some prayer okay me me uh, specifically I need some prayer I do have one relationship that I that in my life that's not very complicated at all, and so I know some of you know me in here, and I know some of you, but some of you don't have a clue who I am. But but I actually have an identical twin brother. Okay, I got a picture of us. Yeah, look at that. There wasn't a. I, yeah, I knew I I was a lot cuter then. All right? That's Kirby. That's my brother on your left. Okay, and then the handsome little fella there on the right is me, and then that's my older brother, and my sweet mama up there. Um, but, but Kirby and I are identical twins. We look alike, we talk alike, we think alike, we act alike. When we were young, we would fight all the time, we'd punch each other in the face, we'd get after it. But as adults, I can't tell you the last time that Kirby and I even disagreed on something. I can't tell you the last time we argued, I can't tell you the last time anything in our relationship was complicated. You know why? Because we're the same person. We're exactly alike. But the reality is, unless you have an identical twin, uh, the reality is that's not how relationships are because it's two different people that you're putting together in a relationship. Whatever relationship it is, you're different. And it makes it complicated. But I truly believe, I truly believe that God has a way that he desires that we do relationships. God has a way that he desires that we treat people. And so today I want to I answer the question, how do we get along despite our differences? How do we get along? How do we do relationships well despite our differences? And to do that, we're going to unpack some of the letters that Paul wrote to the, to the early Christians. Okay? Now, if you don't know who Paul is, Paul used to be Saul. He was a Jewish man. He was very educated. And, and he, it was his personal mission. He, he was on a mission to stop this movement of Jesus followers, people had, Jesus had died and he, and he resurrected, and people had started to follow Jesus, and 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 Paul didn't like that. The Jewish people didn't like that. Okay, and so he he was going to persecute. He was going around persecuting Christians. Well, he's on the road to do that one day, and Jesus himself appears to Paul. Paul uh, saw Paul saw whatever. I'm I'm about to tell you Jesus changed his name. So, <laughs> sorry. Jesus opened Paul's eyes to the truth of who he really was. And Paul became a Jesus follower. Jesus changed his name to Paul. And now Paul would travel around to the known world and he would share the hope that we find in Jesus. He would share about the salvation that we can find in Jesus. And then he would write these letters. Okay? That's what your New Testament, two-thirds of your New Testament in your Bible is made up of. These letters that Paul wrote to the believers in the cities, and to us as followers of Christ. And so we're gonna look at a cu- couple of those because he says a lot about how we do relationships. So I wanna look at them. We're gonna start in, in, in the letter that Paul wrote to the Romans, to the Christians in Rome. Romans chapter 12, verse three, it says this. Because of the privilege and authority God has given me, I give each of you this warning. God sent Paul to give this message. Paul was speaking with the authority of God. He says, don't think that you are better than you really are. That just kind of hurts right there. Don't think that you are better than you really are, but be honest in your evaluation of yourselves, measuring yourselves by the faith that God has given us. So I think step number one, if we're going to do relationships well, step number one is that I have to have a proper view of me. This is where it starts. It's as if Paul is telling us to stop and to look in the mirror. To stop and look in the mirror and not have this elevated, this puffed up view of ourselves but to take an honest evaluation of ourselves. To take an honest evaluation of ourselves. And I think what he's saying is that when you look in the mirror, here's the question that you need to answer. You need to answer the question, who am I? Who am I? Because your answer to that question will impact everything about you. It will impact how you live your daily life. It will impact how you relate to other people. He says on the, uh, at the end of uh, verse three, he says, measuring ourselves by the faith that God has given us. Measuring ourselves by the faith that God has given us. And I kind of want to, unpack that idea using another letter that he wrote to a different group of people in in, in Colossae. He wrote this to the believers in Colossae. This is Colossians 2, verse six. Students, we were in Colossians all weekend. Sam was bringing the word to you. Same book, same letter. Paul's writing, telling people how we should live in Christ. He says, and now just as you have accepted Christ Jesus as your Lord, you must continue to follow him. Just as you have accepted Christ Jesus as your Lord, you must continue to follow him. This is not this broad statement that Jesus is Lord. He is, but that's not what this, this is a very personal confession. When you, as an individual, when the person sitting in your chair confesses Jesus as your Lord. Okay, so when this becomes personal to you, some of you students made this decision this weekend to make Jesus the Lord over your life. When you make this decision, I want you to know something. You change. Your identity is changed. Okay? Your identity is changed. The Bible says the old has gone and the new has come. You are a new creation in Christ Jesus. When you look in the mirror and you ask yourself the question, who am I? It has to start right here. If you're a Jesus follower, the answer to that question starts right here. We sing a song in here uh, a lot that there's a line in there that says, I am who you say I am. I am who you say I am. God, I am who you say I am. Your answer to the question, who am I, it starts right here. I am a follower of Christ. My identity has now been changed. In Christ, I have been given the right to be called a son of God, a child of God. In Christ, I am forgiven. In Christ, I am made right with God. In Christ, I am free. In Christ, I find my identity. In Christ, I find my meaning. In Christ, I find my life. That's what this is talking about. He goes on and he says in verse seven, he says, let your roots grow down into him. Here it is, let your roots grow down into him and let your lives be built on him. Then your faith will grow strong in the truth you were taught and you will overflow with thankfulness. Let your roots grow down into him like a tree. And where does a tree get its life from? Its roots. What's a tree's foundation? Its roots. As a follower of Jesus, your life, your foundation, your identity, your, your everything is found in Jesus. And it says that your uh, your life would be built, your life would be built on Him. Let your lives be built on Him. And it's this idea that everything you are and everything you do, that Jesus is at the center of it. That Jesus is at the center of who you are and everything you do. You see, I think when we talk about doing relationships well, this is where it starts. Because if I am secure in who I am in Jesus, if I'm confident in who I am in Jesus, it's going to free me up to treat people the way that God's calling me to treat people. It's going to free me up to do life the way that God has called me to do life because I'm confident in who I am in Christ. Everything that I am, everything that he's, that, that i'm good at or every talent or ability it was given to me by him he's the center of it all that's where we start when we talk about relationships and see then it will drive us to want to live a life that god the, the life that god's called us to to live there's a verse in in the book of psalms and this was king david writing and david is known as, as a man after god's own heart and this is Psalms 119.59. And I came across this verse a couple years ago, and, and it just really stood out to me. Listen what he says. He says, I, I, I pondered the direction of my life. It's like he stopped and he looked in the mirror. And he said, What direction is my life going? Where is my life headed? And then obviously there was something in in David's life that, that wasn't lining up with the way God wanted him to live his life. Because here's what he says next. He says, and I turned to follow your ways. I was going one direction. I stopped and I evaluated it. And I realized this isn't the direction that God wants me to go. So I turned to follow your ways. I turned to live life the way that God is calling me to live life. What if we apply that to the way we view people? There's a way that God calls us to view people. So when when we know who we are, when we start with, I have to have a proper view of me, that will lead us to the second thing is, I have to have a proper view of you. If you were here last week, Kenny did an amazing job of talking about how God loves us with this agape, unconditional love. I want you to know, if you weren't here last week, I want you to know this, God loves people. Did you know that? See some of you, writing that down oh god loves people that's good like i think we know that god loves people the question is why does god love people does he love people because he always sees eye to eye with them no god's ways are so much higher than our ways he's perfect and holy does god love people because they always follow him no a lot of people will never follow him Does God love people because he approves of everything we do? I know that's not true. God loves people because he made them and because they bear his image. What if we viewed people like that? You know that person like that pops in your mind right right when I start talking about differences and how differences make things complicated and they're just different and they annoy you. What if you viewed them as an image bearer of God himself? I think it would change the way you treat them. And this is hard, right? I get it. It's about to get harder. Watch. Paul writes to a, another group of believers in Philippi. He's writing to the Philippian people in, in Philippians chapter 2, verse 3 and 4. He says this: He says, Don't be selfish. Don't make your life all about you. Don't be selfish. He says, Don't try to impress others i want to stop on this one for a second students when you're confident in who you are in jesus you don't have to live your life to impress other people adults when you're confident in who you are in jesus you don't have to live your life to impress other people you don't have to try to keep up with the joneses i don't even know who the joneses are When you're confident in who you are in Jesus, you don't have to try to impress other people. Here it is, listen to how he says we should view people. He says, be humble, thinking of others as better than yourselves. You see, in in Romans, he was saying, let's not have this elevated view of ourselves. Let's, Let's bring down our view of ourselves. And now in Philippians, he's saying, but let's elevate our view of other people. And he says, don't look out only for your own interest but take an interest in others, too. I started thinking about this, like, who lives like this? Who lives like this? Like, this is really hard to do. It's really hard to not have this elevated view of me and then to look at other people and say, they're better than me. They're better than me. Who lives like this? Well, thank you for asking, Jesus did. Jesus did let's let's go on in Philippians and see what it says verse 5 through 8 it says you must have the same attitude as Christ Jesus had though he was God he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to in verse 7 instead he gave up his divine privileges he took the humble position of a slave and he was born as a human being And when he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on the cross. This is King Jesus, the King of kings, the Lord of lords. He steps down from his throne and he puts on flesh and he enters our world. And he humbly dies on a cross. This is Jesus, the same one that said, I came to this earth not to be served, but to serve and to give my life as a ransom for many. Jesus, our ultimate example of dying to yourself to elevate other people. Dying to yourself, Jesus died so that we could have a relationship with God. Willingly went to the cross, willingly laid down his life, Like Jesus stepped down from his throne and I have trouble stepping off my high horse sometimes, my little pedestal sometimes, and viewing other people as better than myself. Let Jesus be our example. When we talk about how do we view others, let's view others the way Jesus did. This is how this could play out, right? Here's an example. We all have a choice how we treat people. Okay? And I think like with our words specifically, there's two ways that we can treat people. We can, we can build people up or we can tear people down. Okay, We can build people up or we can tear people down. My wife and I, over the years, we've had a couple, like maybe two arguments. I don't know. <laughs> two last week, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> but there's been a couple times over the years that she said something to me that really hurt. In the midst of an argument, she'll look at me and say, I feel like you don't even like anything about me. I feel like you don't even like anything about me. And it really hurts, like, because I, I love my wife. My wife's my favorite person on the planet. They're, my wife is so much better than I am. If you know her, you would agree with me. She's so much better than me. I love so many things about her, but you know what I spend my time pointing out? The little things that bother me. So you know what she hears? She just hears the things that I don't like about her. We get to choose. Are we gonna build people up? Are we gonna point out the good in them? Are we gonna encourage them with our words? Are we gonna tear them down and point out every little thing that we don't like about them? That's how this can play out. You see, I I have this proper view of me, who I am in Jesus. I'm confident in who I am. That leads me to be able to elevate other people. And then that will lead me to the next one, which is that I would have a proper view of us as a whole. I would have a proper view of us as a whole. Back in Romans chapter 12, Paul's writing and he says this, he says, just as our bodies have many parts and each part has a special function, so it is with Christ's body. We are many parts of one body and we all belong to each other. I want to I w- I I tell you guys something. A- as Christ followers, if you're a follower of Jesus, we're not competing against each other. Like You're not my competition, there's not this prize that me and you have to compete to try to earn says we're on the same team. We're part of the same body. We're on the same team. Instead of competing against each other, we should compete with each other. And we're competing to make God's name known on this earth. That's our goal. And we're doing it together as a team. And we only do this if we have a proper view of ourselves and a proper view of each other. Then we come together as a team and you see paul is paul is writing this to the believers in rome well the believers in corinth he writes something similar and you know why i think it's because they had a hard time getting along just like we did so he's writing it to everybody and he says something similar he says this the human body has many parts but the parts but the many parts make up one whole body so it is with the body of christ the same thing right and then we skip to 18 and he says this He says, but our bodies have many parts, and God has put each part where he wants it. God made you how he wants you. God gave you the abilities he gave you because he wanted to. He didn't want to make us all the same. It says how strange a body would be if it only had one part, and because I'm just dumb, and this is the way my mind works, I picture like a big nose up here talking. (laughs) That would be weird. It says, yes, there are many parts, but one body. The eye can never say to the hand, listen to this, the eye can never say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head can't say to the feet, I don't need you. As a body of believers, if you're a Christ follower in the room, we need each other. We need each other. We're not meant to do life alone. We're meant to do life in relationships with people that are different than us. We're a team. I was talking to a guy in my small group, uh, Wednesday morning men's group that, I, that I'm involved with, and, and uh, he, he's a coach at a local high school. Around. He coaches soccer, and he, I was asking about his team. I said, hey, man, how's your team doing this year? And he says, you know, we have a lot of good individual talent, some really skillful players, but as a team, we're just not very good because the guys are so interested. They're, they're so much more concerned with their their playing time or their stats or their personal success than they are with the team's success. They're so much more interested in themselves than they are the team. And I thought about that. Like as, as a body of Christ, could we be more interested in others? Could we be more interested in the body as a whole and the mission that we're on to make God's name known? Could we be more interested in that than we are about ourselves? I started, I started thinking about this, like, like, why does this matter? Like, why is it a big deal that I should have a proper view of me, which leads me to a proper view of you, which will lead me to a proper view of us? Why, why is that a big deal? And there were several reasons that I came up with, several ideas, like why it's important. But one just kept popping out in my mind. And it's this idea that there there was a time when Jesus was with his followers, his his closest followers, and he's he's talking to them. This was before he had gone to the cross uh, to be crucified, and he's talking to his followers and he says this. He says, hey, uh, a new command I give you, you must love one another the way I have loved you, okay? And then he goes on in the next verse. This is John 13, 35. He says this. He says, by this everybody will know that you're my disciples by this one thing if you if you can get this one thing right everybody it will it will distinguish you as my disciple it will set you apart as oh that guy's a christ follower if you can do this one thing well you know what he said well i'll tell you what he didn't say he didn't say if you can just be better than everybody else If you can prove to be the best, everybody will know that you're my follower. That's not what he said. He didn't say if you always get everything right, if you always do everything the way you're supposed to do things, that will prove to everyone that you're my follower. That's not what he said. You know what he said? He said, here's what will set you apart. If you get this right, everybody will know that you're one of my followers by the way you love each other. That's why this is important because this is what we as Christians are supposed to be good at. This is what we're supposed to be known for. By the way we love people. By the way we love people that are much, much different than we are. Can I, can I be like real honest with you guys? Well, I will. Um, I've been honest so far. I haven't lied to you, I promise. I don't, I find it really hard to like people sometimes, okay, if I'm honest. They hired me at the bridge, too, so I might get fired tomorrow after admitting this, but I find it hard to love people sometimes. People annoy me. I don't think I'm alone in here. (laughs) People annoy me. We went to Disney. Have you ever been to Disney. We went, to, we went to Disney. My family, my wife, me and my wife and my two kids, we went to Disney back in October. We took them out of school for a week. It was awesome. Uh, we spent four different days at four different parks. We walked 20,000 miles. Um, we ate bad food all week. It was great, man. It was a great vacation. It was fun. It was a lot of fun. And so we went to this, um, one night, we went to the Mickey's um, Not So Scary Halloween Party. It was in October and So I know when some of you see that picture, you're like, man, look at that castle. It's the most magical place on earth. It's so awesome, Disney. (laughs) But you know what I see when I see that picture? (laughs) All those people. (laughs) Yeah, man, we spent four days waiting in so many lines. You can't get enough fast passes at that place. I saw so many kids in strollers where I'm like, dude, you are way too old to be in that stroller. (laughs) Like, if you're old enough to carry on a conversation with me, get up out of that (laughs) stroller and start walking. But that kind of stuff just annoyed me, right? Like, I had a great time. I, I did. It was a great family vacation, and I enjoyed it. But I found myself just being annoyed by people. I like to watch people. I like to just sit back and observe. I don't know why. Maybe it's because it makes me feel better about myself. I mean, like, I know I'm weird, but look at that guy. He's jacked up. I made sure and pointed down the middle so none of you guys would get offended. Like, it's hard. People are difficult. But we're called to love people. We're called to have a proper view of us. Be confident in who we are in Jesus. And that will free you up to love people the way he's called you to love people. In the book of Revelation, there's there's this uh, vision that John gets of heaven. And I want you to hear this. Revelation 7, verse 9 through 10, it says, after this I saw a vast crowd, too great to count. Do you read that? I saw a vast crowd... Thanks a lot, Disney. (laughs) Saw a vast crowd, too great to count. I just hope I start loving people by then. (laughs) Like, I mean, honestly, you're going to be bumping elbows with people. You're going to, there might be some strollers there. I don't know. (laughs) Everybody who confesses Jesus as their Savior will be there. It's going to be a great crowd too vast to count, you know what we're gonna be doing? Here's what we're gonna be doing. Standing in front of the throne and before the Lamb. Sorry, let me go back to the other part. It says, too great to count from every nation, every tribe, every people, every language. Can I add a couple in there? Every political view. Some of you just took that one, tough. if you're like, I liked it up until that part. <laughs> people that are far different than you, any difference, they're all going to be there. Anybody who has trusted in Jesus as Savior, And here's what we're going to be doing. Standing in front of the throne and before the lamb. They were clothed with white robes and they held palm branches in their hands. And they were shouting with a great roar, salvation comes from our God who sits on the throne and from the lamb. Do you think when we are doing that, do you think when we're standing before Jesus, worshiping him, do you think our differences are going to matter? I don't. Why don't we live like they don't matter now? They're not going to matter then. They shouldn't matter now. This is hard to get right. This This is so hard. I had so much trouble putting together this talk because it's hard for me. But here's where I think it starts. And here's a practical way you can leave and do something. Maybe just go home and take a look in the mirror. And start with the question, who am I? And if you've made Jesus Lord of your life, the answer is I'm, I'm who you say I am, God. I'm confident in that. And then pray, God, help me to view people the way you view them. Help me to love them the way you love them. Let me pray. God, I just thank you for this morning.